Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to our episode of the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I am so thrilled to introduce you to our returning guest, Trisha Bolander, who is joining us now in Luxembourg. Oh, my God. Okay, so (laughs) welcome, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm so excited to be back and reconnect and talk about all the things. Yeah. So the last time you were on and I'll, I'll post it in the show notes, we were talking about sacred power and your work. Um, and I think for this conversation, I wanted to be more about your journey and uh, talk about deeper things. No, sorry. Sacred power is deep. (laughs) I get it. Personal things personal things and um just you know um we might touch upon race um yeah. uh, but I don't maybe I don't know if it'll be heavy or not we don't know <laughs> we're we're gonna see what emerges yes exactly the sacred emergence emerging <laughs> um yeah okay so um you and I finally met in person last year in yes. Seattle Yes. And then, but you were prepping for your move with your family and your two children and your husband to Luxembourg. And you and I just talked about where Luxembourg is and it's its own country because I thought it was in France. Okay. (laughs) Right. It is not in France, nor is it the same country as Liechtenstein. So yes, we got all of that sorted out before we hit record. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, and I remember like, maybe it was back in early 2020 that you had this vision of like you and your husband had plans of doing this move. You talked about it and it's so crazy because now it's, it's a reality. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah. Not only is it reality, but we'll be celebrating our one year here, uh, just later this month. So it's just, you know, it's crazy. And and thank you for bringing me back there because there's this way that when we're living our life, it just feels like whatever we're doing was the inevitable step, right? Like, of course we're living here. Um, but it really wasn't. And there were so many times that, you know, you and I talked where it just felt like this pipe dream and, um, you know, are we really going to do this? Cause we're actually quite comfortable and happy in Seattle. So, um, yeah, we did it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what's amazing is that both your children are young. And mm-hmm. I actually know of people who have these, you know, they, they want to do these international moves or these moves, but they're like, but we have kids and it's yeah. like, they can't do it because there's kids. Um, and so I'm curious, like, if you don't mind sharing about that and how that happened. Yeah, totally. I mean, and we fell into that group where, you know, when we talked, when we first started, Uh, when we planted the seed on moving to Europe, it really was this 
oh my gosh, wouldn't it be great if, and it was actually on the back of a motorcycle on our honeymoon, we were uh, motorcycling through France uh, and the Champagne region. We're like, oh my gosh, like we have to live here. We have to live in Europe. And yeah, I mean, the way we talked about it back then and for most of our marriage, and we just celebrated 12 years uh, earlier this week, um, but was thinking about exactly that. We'll start a family, we'll you know do everything we wanna do professionally, and then we'll retire. Uh, you know, somewhere in Europe. And that was always like, okay, once the kids kind of grow up. And a lot of things have, have changed since then. I, but I think the biggest one was, um, A, actually having kids. And I will never judge parents again. Uh, it, it's just, it's really interesting how, um, yeah, how just perspective shifts after after you actually have kids versus hypothesizing about how your life is going to be. So that was one. And then the second was uh, was COVID and just the um, the realization of the preciousness of life and the present moment and how plans, the best laid plans, and trust me, we had many, um, just sort of fell to crap because of that. And so, um, you know, and then the 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 resulting element of COVID, not just in terms of thinking about life and what truly matters and what our values were just the logistics. And so, you know, work, working remotely, which was always mm -hmm. a thing for me for the first time was a possibility for my husband who, you know, tends to work at, at more traditional uh, jobs and, you know, being in person was a thing. And so for the first time we felt like we could do this. Um, and then we actually did, but you bring up a really good question around kids because that was really the one thing that was, I mean, there were many things, but that was the biggest reason to potentially not. And so for so many reasons, so a, to be closer to grandparents and we were already living, you know, in the States where the grandparents were and just being with family, that was huge. Um, but then secondly, this fear of like fucking up their lives, like, mm. is this, like, should we really be doing this? And um, yeah, that was just a big thing. But in the end, we decided that we wanted to be a family that, you know, followed our dreams. And um, we need, and I'll credit my husband a lot more because to the very end, I was like, well, what about if we just got a summer house? Or like, what if we just rented an Airbnb and we just kept going back to the same one? Like, isn't that going to give our kids like tradition and language and culture and sort of all of that? And, you know, and he was really the advocate reminding me what our dreams were mm. and that our kids get to be part of that. Oh, I love that. I love that. I remember like when I think when you and I were on our walk, you're like, oh, like you're our oldest, like when the news was told to him, oh, like, he was freaking out. He was like, I don't want to move. What is this? And like, and I just like, in the photos that you share, I'm like, oh my God, he loves it. <laughs> like he loves being in Europe. <laughs> well, and, I mean, if, if, if this podcast can, can serve as any sort of public service announcement of how not to tell your kids <laughs> you are about to move countries, let my story be, be the warning, side, like the what not to do, because we, we, we had taken them out to, to ice cream. Mm. and plan this like really fun, you know, time, but we never, you know, as much as my husband and I talk about all 
the things, the one thing we didn't talk about was our plan for how to actually tell them. And so, you know, I tend to avoid, I'm an avoider, so I avoid things that make me uncomfortable. So I'm just sitting there eating my ice cream <laughs> and, you know, my husband starts the conversation and he starts it off. I mean, I kid you not, it was like straight from a SNL skit of like, again, what not to do. And so there are so many ways, there are so many right ways <laughs> To have this conversation and we probably stumbled upon like one of the very wrong ways which is essentially my husband said uh well kids our lives are about to change oh, God. <laughs> and my then six-year-old just started like I, and then he he proceeds my husband proceeds to say we're moving to Luxembourg and so my six-year-old then six-year-old um just loses it and starts hysterically crying and is like I don't want my life to change don't change my life uh this is also incidentally uh you know the, this being Seattle although it was sort of the summer but we went to an ice cream place but it was raining outside so we mm. had to stay inside and so it was like <laughs> we were that family with the crying kid oh no <laughs> <laughs> And, but I have to hand it to him because, you know, kids are so wise. Mm. And one of the big ahas for me with this move is just the brilliant, the inherent brilliance and resilience and perspective that kids give, which I think we have so much to learn from. Um, but he actually calmed himself down quite quickly. And he said, okay, well, how about we move there for three years? And then we have a discussion as a family on whether we still like it. Now, the funny thing is that when my husband and I talk about this move, you know, we were really thinking three to five years, you know, um, and I could tell my husband was about to start saying, well, you know, we were actually thinking more like five years and I kicked him <laughs> under the table. And said, you know, that is a wonderful idea. Three years and we will revisit it. And we actually just, you know, again, we're coming up on one year. And I asked my son, um, well, and my daughter, um, she's she's almost four now. You know, what do you guys want to do to celebrate being here for one year? And I thought they were going to say, like, go to ice cream or like, you know, do something fun, which is what I was kind of thinking. Uh, and my son said, you know, I know at the end of three years, it's when we're going to have our big conversation. And so I think at the end of one year, we should all talk about, we should have a small conversation about how we feel about it and what we like and what we don't like. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Like who's parenting who? Seriously. <laughs> and so we just had that conversation over the weekend and, um, and it was fantastic. And it was so, it was just, it was, it was great. Oh my gosh. So I love that your son was like, let's just give it three years. Cause to me, three years is forever. Like three years is a long time. Like, did he mean three months? Like, <laughs> well, and so literally that's, that's what my fear was because he was just, um, graduating kindergarten and, you know, learning about all the time and, um, and a lot of his friends he, and he went to a French school in Seattle. And so a lot of his friends were traveling for the full summer. And so at the end, I was like, does he think three months? Like, are we sure we're all the same page on three years? But no, sure enough, you know. Oh, my gosh. Um, three years. So, yeah. That's amazing. I love that. And um, it sounded like the conversation that at the one-year mark went well. <laughs> 
It did. Well, I asked, you know, and, and we, we asked, uh, we asked both of them what, what, what they liked and what, what they don't like. And, um, and my daughter, who's just about to turn four, she, she said, I like everything in Luxembourg. So, you know, it's funny as, as parents, um, we just, we have these fears of mm. ruining our kids' lives, you know, and, um, and maybe we will, but usually it's not in the way we think. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, just to see how, how much they're thriving and how much they love it. I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's just been really inspiring for us. Mm. And I love seeing the photos of your daughter. She's like this princess with her tutu and like, oh my God, she's like this fashionista. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I always, you know, bring human design into our conversations, which is actually how I first met you. But yeah, she's yeah. a total manifesting generator. I mean, tutu, <laughs> she's like so sparkly and yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, this is like where like, um, this might be where the conversation goes heavy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But bring like, on there's, the bring on the, yeah, the serious stuff. No. Um, so there was this post that you shared on Facebook. And I think yeah. it's because I think part of it is like your family is multiracial, right? Like mm-hmm. um, yeah. your husband is American. Mm-hmm. So your children are mixed. And there was this conversation. I was thinking, I think you were celebrating Filipino day. And yeah. so there was a conversation between your two kids about like, am I also Asian? And your, and your son was like, no, you're not Asian. I'm Asian. And you're like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so he, uh, so, so his context. So, uh, so my family's from the Philippines. I was born in the States in New York. Uh, my husband and I met in India and we had our son in Korea. Oh my and gosh, so, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. And then our daughter in Seattle. And so it's it's really interesting because for a while, my son actually thought he was Korean because he was born in Korea. Mm. <laughs> and so then that was a conversation. Like, no, you're not Korean, you're Filipino, um, but also American, you know, and now we're living in Europe. And so um yeah. And so he, he was like very proud to announce and it kind of came out of nowhere, but in the car, he, he announced, you know, I'm Asian American uh, with a lot of pride. And we said, yeah, yeah, you are. And uh, as, as you said, so my daughter, uh, then she, she was like, well, am, am I Asian American? And at the same, same time I said, yes, my son said, no. <laughs> And I was like, oh boy. And we live about five minutes from school. And so we had already pulled up and it was like, all right, well, we're going to need to revisit this conversation. Oh my gosh. But it's actually, it's really, you know, it's an interesting, um, and it's something that, you know, we, we do just have to keep revisiting because there are many levels to this. Um, you know, when he was young and we were living in back in Seattle, he would just you know, he, he would just compare our, our coloring and he would say, you know, you're, you're, he would put his arm next to my arm and say, oh, you're, you're darker. I'd say, yeah, I am darker. Um, and you know, we, we'd have a conversation, but it wasn't, you know, and he was in preschool then. And then it was just like, it was just as though he were saying, oh, you're wearing, you know, red on your shirt and I'm wearing blue Mm. and, you know, it doesn't have any meaning behind it. It's just sort of an observation. Um, 
But what's in, what was further interesting about that question is that my daughter does have lighter coloring. And so her, like her hair is lighter, her, her skin is lighter. And so, um, yeah, he, he actually had a really fascinating um, statement, which also came out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, but he said something like, oh, so is Ava going to go to better, to a better school than I am? because her skin is light because she she has lighter skin oh my gosh isn't that interesting and this was I mean this was probably back in Seattle it was either back in Seattle or when we first moved and so this was even before you know all the affirmative action everything in the Supreme Mm. Court was in the news but it was like wow there are so many levels to that statement like where do we start yeah. And I, I think what's interesting about this conversation is because your kids are young, like, this is coming from a child yeah, and it's like, you know, we talk about, well, like in our culture and our society, it's all around like educating children and like, where does racism start? And it's interesting, like, and you know, people say, well, kids aren't born racist. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's interesting to see where he's adopted some of these ideas and thoughts. Um, yeah. I'm curious. Like, I'm just fascinated. <laughs> well, and even just what you said about like kids are born racist. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is kids are born naturally so observant. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. And so I think the difference is, is that kids so naturally will say, oh, your skin is a different color. Right. Like right. they'll just say, but the difference is there's no, there's no meaning behind that. Yeah. It's just right. a neutral comment. Yeah. yeah. Versus until recently, and there was, you know, there's been much more discussion um, around, you know, around how you talk about race, but until recently, it's like, oh, you don't talk about that. And so mm. it's like the total opposite of children where you don't point out differences. But in your silence, there's actually a lot of assumptions. Right. And I'm sure kids might pick up on things in the silence, like if it's not called out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, did you have a follow up with him? (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting is, yeah, is that a a week later, I think, and that's when I, I did the post it was Philippine independence day. And, you know, I think I've been in such this honeymoon period of living here. I still am, um, that, you know, there's a lot of things that I hadn't really like noticed before, or maybe if I noticed, I don't know, it just wasn't part of our conversation. And so for instance, I mean, for sure, one of the hardest things, and we talk about this all the time is how we miss family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they miss grandparents. We're actually about to go to New York and spend time uh, with my parents and they're beyond the moon excited. Um, but the, the, the connection there is while we're talking about family, the underlying element is, you know, well, when we're with my extended family of which I had a huge, I have a huge extended family in Seattle, they're getting, all the Filipino culture and like all Mm. of that, like osmosis. And one of the things that I realized in living here is, you know, we don't have, we don't have family here. We don't Mm -hmm. have Filipino friends here. Um, You know, we had the only 
um, I mean, really the, the, the only relationship with, uh, with the Filipino we have here is we have an incredible, um, nanny, um, and cooking, you know, but that's, it's different than Mm. having like a whole ecosystem and network. And so, yeah, I mean, we've had follow-up conversations since, um, primarily around culture. And so what's interesting is actually since that conversation, Ava, who wasn't sure whether she was Asian American, she's been asking us to read her this Filipino book like every night. And so it's all about like, you know, the food and, you know, things like that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it, it is an open, it is an open question for me on how do we in this place that we have grown to love but is devoid of, you know, Filipino culture. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we continue to weave that into their life? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know. Other than yeah. what we're doing now, which is talking to them more about, you know, Filipino heritage and culture and family. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, um, like being in Luxembourg, like, do you feel like, you fit in as a family with like the locals Mm. and you know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Gosh, that's so interesting that you ask that. So I'm in the process of getting um, my Luxembourg citizenship, which tells you a little something about how much I love it here. And so I've been going to these, these courses and it's funny because I think a lot of people, you know, they go to these courses and they totally check out. Um, they're like on Facebook or whatever, falling asleep. And I'm like literally sitting front row, like taking <laughs> notes. <laughs> like it's all so fascinating to me. Um, but you and I were talking right before uh, we record about just the tiny size of Luxembourg. So it's less than a million people. It's 680,000 for the whole country, not just Luxembourg City. Well, the interesting thing is nearly half of that. So like something like 49% are actually foreigners. Mm. Yeah. And so it's not like, and when we were first thinking about moving to Europe, we were thinking rural France. Um, And now I think about, ooh, like, what would that have been like as a multiracial family? Like, huh. Um, But here, it's sort of a given that you're not from here. Um, Mm. I mean, in their school, I can count on my hands the number of Luxembourgish families. And so it's actually more of a norm to not be from here. Um, and so it doesn't feel, I mean, ironically, living in Asia, um, where our son was born and living in Korea, I felt more, I don't know if excluded is the right word. Like um, you stood I, out more? Yeah, maybe? exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> exactly. Like I felt more like people were looking at me when I wasn't with my white husband going into nice stores, I could tell that they were like, what are you doing here? I would sort Mm -hmm. of get followed around. Like, are you going to steal something? Um, Like I felt more like an outsider Mm. in Asia because yeah, just being Filipino than I do here. Yeah. That's well, that's, that's good that you feel at home. (laughs) I do. And also fascinating where you feel like an outsider. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And I, I love, like, I think that's one of the things like when I'm traveling, it's like, I, I get a sense of like, I wonder if I'll feel like 
I kind of belong here. And it's always like the stairs. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm clearly standing out. Um, so it's refreshing well, to hear oh that. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. not your well, experience. Exactly. And when, when I heard you say that about traveling, I mean, I could cringe at how many times in my travels and because of, of the work I do, um, which is global work, I, I have traveled to, to many, many places. And like, I could cringe at the number of times that, you know, people have come up to me and said, oh, your English is so good. Like, <laughs> wow, how is your English so good? You know, and I, I never want to like drop that I went to Harvard, but it's like at <laughs> moments like that, that it was like, well, <laughs> you know, oh my it's gosh. just shocking. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that, yeah, it's, um, I think that's kind of the reality. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things, especially if um, people are, you know, people stay local to where they are. They have an impression of what, I don't know. It's like they create a story versus like, I just love hearing that Luxembourg is like, it's more um, foreigners. And I, I also feel like I also get it. Right. It's like you, like there's maybe the other half is locals from there, but they seem accepting of it and they like it. Um, and also like, yeah, like even when you're in Asia and Korea or whatever, like, I even feel like when I'm like, I stand out even when I'm in Hong Kong, because like I kind of look different. I'm on, I was raised on different soil. So I'm, I'm clearly not a local local. <laughs> oh, you're totally right. I mean, when I go to the, I mean, it's funny because like the times that, that I go to the Philippines before I go, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to like, you know, go there and like feel at home, like the sense of home that I've never felt before, you know, and I go there and it's like, what? Like I, you know, people look at me like I'm an outsider. I feel like an outsider. I talk like an outsider. You know, it's just, it's really interesting. This. Yeah definition and feeling of home. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's also awesome that your children sounded like they, they went to a French school, so they know how to speak French. So they, there's already, there's an easier adjustment. And then you speak French, I'm assuming. I mean, my seven and four-year-old are now officially speaking better French than I do. So <laughs> that gives you a sense of my French, but yes, I studied French all through high school and some of college. Uh, thank you high school and college friends. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I just, I think that's, it's, it's just fascinating talking about like the, I just think that with, we don't, we don't think about, I don't know. It's like, we're moving to a different country. We're exploring it, but there's all these, un, there's these layers that we might not think about and, unless we're in it. Um, and that's why it's like, when I think about traveling, it's like, well, where would I want to be? Where would I feel safe that I would be welcomed mm. and fit in? Um, and it's true. Like, I think it's like what you were saying around, like, even when you were, I think you said Korea, but your husband wasn't with you. And suddenly it was just like, oh, you know? And so it's like, I could see the benefits of like, I'm going to, my husband, he's white. I'm going to use his privilege. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's insane. Well, yeah. and then there, there's, there's that privilege of, you know, I guess, cultural and, and mm -hmm. whatever, but the other striking thing, and you talk about traveling as a woman is like realizing, and this was pretty early on in our relationship. And he and I met in India 
but realizing early on that when he travels, I don't want to say he doesn't take safety into account, but it wouldn't occur to him not to go somewhere because it's dark or mm. whatever. If he like was hungry and he hadn't had dinner, like, well, of course I'm going to go out and you know, what else would you do? And I'm like, I don't know, not eat because it's not safe to go out by yourself, you know, like it was like this whole world opened for me in terms of safety um, to just be able to go. See, yeah, there are just so many layers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's not even talking about race. That's just talking about like gender. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Like all the things, right? Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I actually love watching you and your family's journey and just, it, it just feels like it's such a beautiful growth. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I feel like for your, I love that the conversation with the children around like, well, am I also Asian American? I think that's so sweet and very like, what a perfect time to discuss these topics yeah. at a young age. Yeah. And, you know, and I'll say, I, 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 while I originally didn't know where that comment came from, again, it, it, it was in the, in the way that kids just bring things up in the most, you know, awesome ways. Um, later on, he brought it up again and he said that the reason he was so excited that he was Asian American was that maybe one day he could end up in an Asian American book, um, like Asian Americans who inspire us. And so, you know, this, so there's a book that we've been reading that was actually uh, written by my friend, Annalisa Quiroz, and it's called Asian Americans who inspire us. And she actually worked on it with her son, who's, um, you know, probably was, was similar in, in age to, to Elliot when, when they worked on it together, but it was because she was realizing there, she lived, she, they live in New York and she was realizing there's, there's no, there are no books on mm-hmm. Asian Americans. And so she was very intentional, like I think many of us are on, you know, how do you raise kids to, to think of, you know, in terms of identity. Um, and so she took matters into her own hands and started doing research with him. And so there's this incredible book about, you know, um, astronaut, like all different fields. And so I think that's the other thing, right? Like Michelle, we didn't have any books like that growing up. And so I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I just like, I wanted to be white, right? Like there was no like pride about, I don't know, but like, it, it feels like even it, it feels like maybe it's a quote unquote small thing, like a book, but it's actually a huge thing because mm. reading that, reading the Filipino book, it like gets them curious and excited. Mm, I love that. I feel like your son is like this future leader. <laughs> like, like he's already has so much vision. Like, this is what I want to do. I love it. Like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, you know, it was interesting talking about just like our identity. I I grew up in Canada. Mm. And actually, Judy Lee, when she came on the podcast uh last year, we were talking about race and how being Asian American versus Asian Canadian. <laughs> fascinated yeah and like I because I I feel like Canada was more of a, a toss salad I think this is what we talked about mm-hmm. when I learned when I grew up in school we learned that America is like a melting pot I think like you just become I think that's how it was where it's like y'all assimilate 
Yeah. Canada is like a toss salad where it's like, you know, and so I didn't really, I had more Asian friends than I had white friends. Um, cause there, it was just like all of my friends, most of them were Chinese. Um, and it wasn't like, I didn't have any white classmates. It was just like, well, there were enough of us <laughs> Chinese people that we just hung out together and became really good friends. So it wasn't, and it was interesting because like, we don't say I'm, chi- I, well, we say as joke, I'm CBC Canadian born Chinese, mm. you know? Um, but we just say we're Canadian. We don't say we're Asian Canadian or Canadian Asian, whatever. Like we don't, that's not part of the vernacular. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And so I feel like because the U.S. is really like there's something about race in the U.S. that really I don't know what it is. I mean, I feel like, you know, racism is everywhere, but there's something about the U.S. Maybe because of the history and like the independence and all of that. And, you know, maybe history with slavery and like there's so much distinction around race. Yeah. I never really had that until I actually came to the U S and then it just started to unfold. I'm like, Oh, like, and then it's like, Oh, I'm Asian American. I guess I kind of fall into that now. And it's like, Oh, like I, I, that's my identity. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And so how, I mean, how was that transition for you to, I guess, go from salad bowl to melting pot? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, Oh man. So like back when, when you and Judy held the yellow collective and it was like, you know, we did it over zoom. Um, and I actually remember, and I think I shared this in the group, like I went kicking and screaming. I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't really want to have a label. Like I don't identify, I don't know. And I think that's part of, there is, that's actually a form of, um, racism in a way right it's like I don't want to identify with my own people (laughs) that is and I I just like I'm unpacking that and like but seeing films like crazy rich Asians and getting representation um I'm like this is really interesting and then like I love Ali Wong I mean she's so raunchy but there's something about her I just love she she just owns it she claims it and she's making a huge wave in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, I think like for me, just being in that circle with you all, I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. And it's also like I shared, you know, before we hit the record button, like with my vision with breathwork circles, yeah. like I want to hold circles for Asian Americans and just Asians in general, because we have our own story that you know, is unique and, um, we have our own battles, um, and stereotypes to overcome. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. There's so, there's so many places to go from here and like so many follow-up questions I want to ask, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about, when I hear you talk about the breath work, I mean, I just think that that's so needed and, you know, part of you bring up a good question on like, well, why, like, why is Asian American? Like, why is that dash? Like, why is that even a thing? And, you know, I think, and and for me, it has, it hasn't always been. Um, And growing up, I was sort of like you, I mean, I got to college and uh, the Asian American club knocked on my door and I was like, 
so embarrassed because I had five other roommates. There were six of us. And I mean, the, in retrospect, it was just, it was so nice. Like it was a, a nice welcoming act, but there was like just this group of Asians, like older Asian Americans who came to and knocked on my door and, you know, it was the first day and there were like balloons and like, welcome oh. and like all this and that. But the reason I was like sort of mortified was they totally ignored my, my other roommates. So there were like oh. six of us all like bright eyed and like, what the heck is going on right now? Um, but it was only to me. And so all mm. of the focus was on me and, and I get maybe that was sort of the point, but, but it also just felt like super awkward and also like, ah, oh, I don't know you. Like, is the expectation we're going to be like BFFs now? Cause like, we're all Asian. Like it just did not, ugh, it didn't like sit well with me. And, um, for me, it was really kind of the Filipino club at school um, where it was like, oh, there are all these other Filipinos, which like, I don't know. It just, it just like felt kind of, yeah, it, it was sort like of that different. felt more home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think there's something to be said, like about like cultures and the richness of cultures. And I love that you were saying, like, just in terms of even Filipino food and, you know, your nanny's maybe like the one exposure your children will have at this point in time. But that's huge. I, I think food brings great memories, you know, and yeah. it's a very um, universal thing. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, circling, like just kind of coming home to like the fact that you're traveling internationally and your family's in Luxembourg and there to stay for at least three years. <laughs> it's that's like, right. I think, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's beautiful. And I feel like it's your children are exposed to different cultures. So they're going to be more like open minded, right? And have a different perspective that I think is we need more of that. Um, and there's, I don't know, when you, whenever you say like Filipino, I, I, I get this warm feeling in my heart because when I think about like the Philip, I just think of like very family oriented and very mm -hmm. like, keeping our culture and our food and love and care. And it's like, you know, it's a small country and there's, I think, joy and like just the people, you know? Yeah. Well, I love that you bring that up because the other thing that we were talking about, you know, before we hit record was just, um, you know, training around trauma-informed care and, you know, the importance of trauma work and, you know, things like breath work that, that you're working on. And, and yes, yes, yes. Like we need that. And one of the things that I'm just really excited to share with my kids, with the world is like, there's like, yes, let's, let's work and heal parts of us that we feel need healing. And Let's also just celebrate, like let's yeah. claim our strengths and celebrate because yes, Filipino culture and like the food is amazing. And I grew up knowing that. And it wasn't until I was adult that I, I learned things like the Philippines is the only country in the world. Well, actually one of the other con only countries in the world um, with, with pair, with parody where women leaders mm. are just as prevalent in the government and business and law as male leaders. Um, I say one of, cause I actually just learned uh, this week that Luxembourg is the only country in the EU to have pay parity between men and women. Oh, um, I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, Oh, that's fascinating. Um, but actually like in the Philippines, women more often than not are actually the main bread winners Mm. and bread earners and have, you know, more education in terms of, you know, master's degrees and PhDs. And so there's all this, you know, it's interesting, the dash, like the Asian American dash, because I think growing up as, you know, an American woman, what I really internalized were all of the, you know, well, women are like, you know, meek supposedly, or like not Mm. as good as, you know, no, don't earn as much or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And growing up, it was like my Filipino-ness that I wanted to hide, right? Mm. When everything that in my own self, self self-improvement journey, which I'm so grateful for, but like, man, would a lot of years have been shed if like I, I wasn't continually like working on myself and yeah. instead I just claimed my heritage as a proud Filipino woman who, yes, is like down this like entire cultural line of, you know, incredible women who uh, like the first, <laughs> I didn't know that until literally a year ago, but the first graduate of Harvard Medical School was a Filipina. Oh, I love that. The first graduate of Harvard Law School was a Filipina Mm. from the Philippines. And, you know, when I entered as a freshman, I felt just like such imposter syndrome, right? Mm. Because there weren't there weren't a whole lot of other Filipinos there. When instead it's like, where are those stories? And so, yes, let's talk about the food and how amazing it is because it is. But like, let's also talk about like the kick-ass women and matriarchs that are just yeah. part of culture, right? Yeah, it's I like, love where that. are those stories? Yeah, yeah, because it's true. Like I, that's new to me. Like I didn't yeah. know. And it's like, that's fucking powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so good. We need another book. <laughs> go oh my gosh well thank you so much for being on the show again um for those who are listening trisha is an executive coach um and we'll put links in the show notes um you do so much work you you do akashic records reading um you work with amazing people do you want to share how people can learn more about you and your work yeah yeah so my website is trishabullender.com and i work with leaders and organizations changing the world. And, um, you know, and I think a a big part of that is really just owning all of ourselves. And so for that, Michelle, I'm just so grateful for this conversation. And it's always just so soul, just soul inspiring Mm. to connect with you. And so thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody, if this episode resonated, please share it and uh, we'll see you again soon. Cheers. Hey, hey, thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast episode with Trisha. I hope you enjoy these interviews. Um, It really is a labor of love. And I wanted to come in here and share that um, this Tuesday, so actually if you're listening to this on the day that this episode is published, This Tuesday, October 3rd, I'm hosting my very first virtual breathwork group called Breathe Into Courage. That is the theme for tonight's breathwork. 
and it starts at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time and it'll run for about 90 minutes. Uh, for those who cannot make it live, there will be an email to the replay afterwards that's available for download uh, for up to seven days. And fear not, if you're not able to attend tonight, I will have a few more scheduled for virtual group breathwork. Um, there's going to be one later in October. Actually, it happened on Sunday, October 29th, and there'll also be one in November and one in December. And I really love hosting breathwork. So it's such a treat, and I would love for you to come. And for those that desire to work a little bit deeper in terms of embodying more spaciousness, slowing down in the body, and also wanting to operate more from a body-first approach then my upcoming program called Spacious might be a great fit for you. Right now it is in beta and I have three spots open for one-on-one -on -one facilitation over Voxer, which is a virtual walkie-talkie. I find it to be so helpful to be able to work with people real-time uh, versus waiting a week um, to discuss something over Zoom. And... Um, It'll be a great practice to take what's presencing in the moment and use that as a way to really ground and nourish the body. Um, and we will infuse breath work, human design, deconditioning through the lens of human design um, and gentle movement practices for spaciousness. Um, this one-on-one -on -one facilitation runs for six weeks and it starts on Sunday, October 15th. And I have room for three people at beta pricing. So if this speaks to you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at michellewong.xo at gmail.com. Or again, you can also just reach out to me over on Instagram. So this is just a conversation. Emailing me does not make it like, oh, you're definitely in. It is a conversation. So I hope you have a beautiful day. And um, thank you for tuning in. Cheers. To help you feel more supported and nourished in your body and nervous system, you're invited to download the free I Am Supported meditation in the show notes. May you feel grounded in who you are as you become the fullest expression of yourself. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and thank you in advance for sharing with those who can benefit. Until next time.